Well, remain standing for the reading of the Bible, the reading of God's Word. I'm going to be reading out of 1 Samuel 17, but I have it up on the screen for you. And I know that I told you I was going to begin a series today on The Apprentice. And if you can forgive me, I'm just not quite ready. I can tell when I'm ready. And I, I will pour over a, a topic or a, a something that I feel God's putting on my heart. And it distills over time. And I need about three more weeks. And so here's what I'm going to do. I want to begin a series today that I really believe leads into the series on The Apprentice. And I'm going to talk to you about three troublesome faith busters. Three troublesome faith busters. And I want to show you how David defeated them. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever had something coming against your faith? How many of you got something coming against your faith now? If you don't, buckle your seatbelt. You will. It's coming. Please understand today with me that Satan has one goal in mind, and that is to attack your faith and undermine it. That's really what he's after. He doesn't make things go bump in the night. He's not running around with a tail and a pitchfork and horns and fangs. He's after your faith. He wants to undermine your faith and cripple it. And his big desire would be to take it out. So there are faith busters. There are things that the enemy uses to bust our faith. And I'm going to show you three of them in the next three weeks. So let's read this today. And uh, there it is on the screen, and this is out of 1 Samuel 17, and I've kind of just put together a, a, a little bit of a potpourri of the story of David and Goliath. Uh, some things are left out, but this will give us the gist of the story. Then the Philistine, that is Goliath, said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man, and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words... Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Bad day for Israel. They should not have been dismayed nor terrified, but they were. Now, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every night and took his stand. 40 days, taunting God's people. One day, Jesse said to David, this is the father of David, Jesse, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how they're getting along, and bring back a report on how they're doing. Of course, the brothers were on the front lines. They were hearing these taunts every day. Now, it says, as he was talking with them, that is, his brothers, Goliath came out from the Philistine ranks, and then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. David asked the soldiers standing by, who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Who is this dude? But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. Look at this. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What are you doing here, you little punk? Paraphrased. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Notice how this older brother is defining David down. 
I want you to catch that. Because somebody's defining you. He's defining him down. Where's the few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of, David? What are you doing here? You little nobody? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. He's attributing motives to him that weren't true. David replies, what have I done now? You can hear a little brother in there, can't you? What have I done now? And then he says, I was only asking a question. Then David said to Saul, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. What did Saul say? Don't be ridiculous. Now who's defining him down? Saul. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. What's he doing? Defining him down. And he's been a man, that is Goliath, of war since his youth. Powerful words here. A powerful exchange. True to life. Somebody's defining you today, either up or down, either for good or for bad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will help us to be defined only by God. And help us, Lord, to defeat this faith buster of when others doubt us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you look better than you did last week and define them up. (laughs) How many of you have ever realized the power of being defined by other people? Now, in this classic battle between David and Goliath, if anybody has ever heard anything about the Bible, this is the best known Old Testament Bible story, David and Goliath. And as I read this story, I see that David encountered and overcame three troublesome, even dangerous faith busters. And here's what they were. The faith buster of others doubting you. Others doubting you. Others defining you down. The second one, the faith buster of impossible odds. Next week, week, I'm going to be talking about Mission Impossible. When the mission is impossible, that's a faith buster. When it looks impossible. And then the third faith buster, the limitation of intimidation. Our enemy moves in the arena of intimidation. And as I said earlier, he's after your faith. He wants your faith. That's really what he's after. He wants to water it down. He wants to cripple it. He wants you to have a question mark instead of an exclamation point. He wants you to be a problem and not a solution. He wants your faith. And he'll attack it in many, many different ways. And I call them faith busters. We all encounter them. We all deal with them. It's real for all of us. Now today I'm going to look at the first one because to me, I personally have come to some real conclusions about who we allow to define us. It's very important. Because people being people, they're always going to want to define you, either up or down. And so David is experiencing that in what we just read. Now, what I first want to point out, because it's it's just such a beautiful part of the story, is that it's as we simply go through life, 
that God orders our destiny. As we just go through life, God orders our destiny. When you walk out that door in the morning and you head off to work, doing the same old, same old is so hard to discern the hand of God. But I've learned that God moves most of the time in the same old, same old. He moves in the routine of our life. And God here is ordering David's destiny when he thinks he's just taking some bread to his brother's. There's destiny and there's purpose in every step the child of God takes. There's destiny and purpose. No matter how insignificant it seems, God is moving in your everyday, everyday, in your every life, every life. He's moving in the normal, same old, same old. As David delivered bread to his brothers, God delivered his destiny. Who could ever have imagined when David woke up that day and Jesse said, take some bread to your brothers, that by the end of the day, he would be an international hero and a legend in his own time. He went from zero to hero in a day. Who would have ever guessed that God had this in store for him when he woke up that day? That's why every day you ought to wake up excited. And you ought to say, who knows what God is going to do today? But I do believe that if you have faith and you walk with Jesus closely, that every day is a surprise and every day is a day of blessing and every day is a day of revelation and every day is a day of progression and every day is a day of spiritual growth. As he delivered bread to his brothers doing something very insignificant and and sort of a gopher-like, God delivered his destiny. Jesse was sending bread to his sons in his mind, but God was sending Israel a giant killer in his mind. Amen. Now, I want to look at what made David a giant killer because let me tell you what I believe, church. We need to buckle our seatbelts and get ready for what the future holds. Tough times, difficult times are coming upon our world. As we saw this week, in a day, the entire Middle East, shaken, rocked, stunned, and shocked because suddenly a woman assassinated, Pakistan thrown into turmoil, blames and counterblames. It is a seething cauldron of unrest as we speak. And if you think it's not going to touch us, it is. The Middle East is going to touch us more and more as time goes on. We're going to be facing Goliaths of our own. And so we need to understand that God has not called us to just be saved. But we've been saved for a reason. We have been saved for a purpose. We have been called, drafted into a battle. And the battle is spiritual. And the the battlefield is filled with Goliaths. And I believe the day is coming where it's either fight or die. Fight or fade. And I don't know about you, but I want a church that fights the good fight of faith, that makes a mark for Jesus Christ. And so what made David a a, a giant killer? Well, first of all, I see that he, he cared about the honor of God's name. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he stands up there and defies the armies of the living God? It grieved him when he heard his God's name blasphemed. So he had concern 
for the honor of God's name. He was fearless. He said to those around him, and, and, and picture this, it's a bad day for Israel. There they are cowering in their tents, cowering, afraid, shaking, shivering, intimidated by a giant. But David had no fear. He said, let no man's heart fail. Don't let him bother you. God can bring him down. And that's what we need today in the church. We need people who say to one another, don't let your heart fail you. God is in charge. Don't be afraid. God's going to break through. Our God is a living God, not a dead God. He's a prayer answering God. And he says, don't be afraid. The third thing I I see that made David a giant killer is he had private victories. Private victories. He had victories in his personal life. We're going to find out a little bit later in the story that David told Saul. He said, one day a lion came out of nowhere and attacked the sheep. And I grabbed him with my bare hands and I brought him down and I killed him in the anointing of God. And the same thing happened with a bear. And I killed him with my bare hands. And he said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. If the bear can come down and the lion can come down, this giant's going to come down even harder. I've got private victories in my past. And that's why many of you, most of you in here are dealing with a bear, dealing with a lion in your personal life. And God wants you to know that every battle has a purpose in the bigger picture. I don't think that David ever imagined when he brought that lion down that one day he would walk up with some bread for his brothers and a giant nine feet tall would be standing there taunting the armies of the living God and that because he had that private victory, he alone would have faith to bring a public victory in the name of God. But it was his private victory that gave him faith for a public triumph. God prepares giant killers from the fire of private battles. Whatever you're fighting right now in your life, it may be fear, it may be lust, it may be unforgiveness. Whatever it is, whatever you're battling, please understand that God wants you to have the victory for more than just you getting the victory. He wants you to have the victory because he sees the bigger picture. When you bring down the lion of your private life, God says, now there's somebody I can bring in front of a Goliath and they're going to have faith because they know if I did it then, I can do it now. So there is a reason for private battles. Small victories become large advantages against giant enemies. So fight your private battle and win. And God will lead you to greater things. God has always taken us from faith to faith and from glory to glory and victory to victory. And he intends to glorify himself through your life. Amen. Now the faith quencher that David had to deal with on the way to this great victory against Goliath, this incredible battle, and this this victory that would totally change his life forever, the faith quencher of other people's opinions came against him. Now I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I want to promise you something. You will. You see, David was surrounded by people who were always defining him down. Now, you know what I've learned about God? God will tell you things about yourself. God will speak to your heart about you. 
And he will say, this is my plan for you. This is my call on you. This is what I'm going to bless you to do. And let me give you a newsflash. Not everybody else has gotten that word. I think about Mary. When Mary received the word from God, the word from the angel, that she was going to have this holy child called Jesus, it says that Mary kept these things in her heart. Now, that word kept comes from a Greek word that means to watch over something like you're watching over a treasure, to protect, to guard, to keep, to, to, to not allow a thief to come and steal something away. So we could say Mary guarded the word that God spoke to her heart. She guarded it. She did not let a thief, the thief, take it. And that's what... Is, you and I experience when God says, here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to, I've got a call on you. You're going to start a business or you're going to do something in my name and it's going to be big and it's going to be strong. And David had this sense. I have been destined for greatness. I'm going to bring that giant down. I've got the faith that he's coming down. Nobody else in all the armies of Israel had it, but David had it. He said, by faith, I know, I don't think, I don't suppose, I don't hope, I know he is coming down. And nobody around him had the same word. Instead, he was surrounded by people who began to define him down. Now, I want to tell you something. Be very careful who you allow to speak into your life. I'm 54 years old right now. I feel 30, but I'm not. I'm 54. And you know what I've learned? I have learned that it matters who speaks into my life. I have learned that if somebody begins to define me down, they're not going to see me much longer. I want somebody around me who's going to say, you can do it. Oh, I believe that God has that for you. You know, when I came to the Lord, God blessed me with a handful of people who began to define me up. Because here's what the devil will do. He'll always define you down. He will always tell you you can't. He will always minimize you and marginalize you. But God will always maximize your potential. That's why when Jesus called his disciples, Jesus said, your name is Simon, but it's going to be Peter because you're going to be a rock. And I'm going to make something of you. He got the other men around him and said, follow me and I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. What did he say? He said, I see something in you you don't see. You're going to see it someday, but I've got a plan for you you haven't known anything about. You've been catching fish all of your life, but I'm going to anoint you. You're going to preach with fire. You're going to carry my word. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to cast out devils. I've got things for you you would never have imagined. And Jesus defined them up. Don't Get around people that define you down, that say you can't, you better not, you shouldn't, you better watch out. They're everywhere. Watch what happened to David. His brother attacked his character. I know why you're here. You just want to see the battle. Get back to those few sheep. His brothers attacked his character. Saul attacked his ability. He said, you're not able. You are not able. You know what I found about people who tell me I'm not able? They're usually wrong. And you know what? When somebody tells you you're not able, they're probably wrong. You know why? Because my Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 
I like getting around people who say to me, you can. Go for it. Yeah, boy, I'm praying for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's going to be better than you think. Boy, I hang around with them. I want people who define me up. But his brothers attacked his character. Saul attacked his ability. And Goliath attacked his faith. You're just a boy. You come to me with a sling and a stone? So all around him, he's got this negative input. He's got people defining him down. All three served the same purpose. And the purpose was to quench his faith and rob him of his greatest hour. In a few short hours, he was going into the eternal historical record book of the word of God as being the giant killer. And what was surrounding him? A bunch of you can't people. People attacking his faith. People attacking his ability. People attacking his character. And I'm glad to announce to you today that David did not listen to any of them. David listened to God. You've got to let God define you. You've got to let God define you up. Can I tell you what God's thinking about you? I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. I know what I'm thinking about you. It is blessed. It is powerful. It is more than you could ever have imagined. Eye hasn't seen. Ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. His character, his ability, his faith. All were undermined by who? By the opinion of important people in David's life. These weren't nobodies. These were somebodies. His brother, the giant, his king. Giant killers are often misunderstood and misrepresented. Let me tell you something. If you're the type of person that leaves a mark, watch out for people carrying erasers. Because it's usually the people who can't that want to erase what people who can have done. And eraser carriers are everywhere. But surround me with people who want to make a mark. I hope you want to make a mark. Because we intend to make a mark for Jesus in this church. We're going to make a mark on your children's minds, your teens' minds, the singles' minds, the marrieds' minds. We're going to make a mark in this city. Success creates two things always, opportunity and critics. Always. His brothers criticized him. Saul doubted him, and the giant hated him. Now, here's the moral of the story. Don't expect the cowboy cheerleaders to show up when you're about to go slay a giant. Because what's going to show up is a bunch of you can'ts. And you've got to ignore them. And that brings me to what David did. Now, can you say with me today, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The funny thing is, when you go to do it, when you go to slay a giant, you find that those who couldn't are the first ones to tell you how. (laughs) Wait a minute, I want to know, you who are counseling me, have you ever brought a giant down? Well, no, but I've read a lot of books. No, no, I don't care what you've read. I want to know if there's a giant in your past who's dead. 
Now I want to show you what David did when all these naysayers and all these gainsayers and all these doubters and all these negative people were around him. What did he do? How did he handle it so that they did not quench his faith? The first thing he did, he turned from them and toward another. You'll find that in what we read. He turned from them toward another. He didn't just turn away from the critic into a vacuum, into silence. He turned away from the critic and he turned toward somebody defining him up. God did not give us ear lids like he did eyelids. You can't blink your ears. So if somebody is around you and defining you down, there's only one thing you can do. Turn away from them. Say, I appreciate it, brother. God bless you. I'll be praying for you. But there ain't anything that says I got to sit and listen to you define me down. I'm not going to do it. He turned to another, and here's what the other guy said to him. If you slay that giant, here's the promise. You're going to be rich. You're going to marry the king's daughter, and you're going to be exempt from taxes. Well, that last one will put a stone in my hand. (laughs) Amen. Exempt from taxes. He said, tell me that again. And they told him again. They said, here's the promise. Anybody who defeats that giant is going to marry the king's daughter, is going to be rich, and is going to be exempt from taxes. Well, give me my tax money and I am rich. And David said, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear the promise. I want to hear the potential. I want to hear a reason why I should bring him down. I want you to talk positive to me. Don't tell me I can't. Tell me what the victory will bring. That's what it's going to bring, David. And here's the principle. Don't allow others to put a limitation on your dream. Don't allow others to steal your dream. Because they will. Because... And it's not necessarily a, 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 um, a, a bad motive that they have. They might think they're doing you a favor, but they haven't heard what you've heard. They don't know what you know. They haven't been dealt with by God like you have. They don't know what God has spoken to you. So you don't allow others, well-meaning or otherwise, to quench your dream. God will always call you higher, stretch you further, take you deeper, use you greater than people around you expected. Do you know how many times since you got saved, people have already said when you didn't know it, who'd have ever thunk it? They're going to church. Who'd have ever believed it? And they're going on Wednesday nights. And they go pray. And they don't do what they used to do. Let me tell you something. What God has for you is greater than anything you could ever have imagined. And he will take you higher. He will define you higher. He will call you to a nobler, loftier place than anyone would ever have placed you. If you had asked them, tell me the greatest thing that had ever happened to me. In their wildest dreams, they would not come up with what God has for you. John Mason said, nobody can put a limit on you without your permission. Nobody can put a limit on you without your permission. 
Don't listen to what others tell you you cannot do. Listen to what God tells you you will do through him. Amen. Eli Whitney was laughed at when he showed his cotton gin. He was laughed at. Nobody believed he could do it. But he did it against all odds. Nobody believed Edison could come up with the light. But he did it. And they said, you can't do it, but he did it. What is your dream? What has God put in your heart? What has God said to you? Nobody thought there could be any such thing as a railroad. They thought that if you went 30 miles an hour, it would stop your blood circulation. But they went ahead with it anyway. And if they could only see jet travel now. Nobody believed that Jesus was the Son of God. His own brothers said to him, you have lost your mind. His own brothers turned from him. His own brothers doubted him. And I noticed that Jesus never listened to them. He turned, he gathered his disciples, and he walked on. Sometimes you've got to turn a deaf ear to naysayers and don't allow them to quench your faith. He turned away from them. He turned away from them. He refused to back off of his dream. You're going to have to fight for your dream. You're going to have to push for your dream. You're going to have to work for your dream. You're going to have to go for it with all of your heart. The last thing you need is people around you dragging you down and defining you down. Gather, if it's it's only one person who believes in you, hang around with them all the time. When his ability was challenged, David answered with a statement of faith about God's ability. He said, by God and through his name, I'm bringing that giant down. He is history. He is coming down. He has seen his last day. I'm going to cut his head off. One day a hunter came across a bear in the woods. The bear said, I want a full stomach. The hunter said, I want a fur coat. The bear replied, let's compromise and promptly ate the man. Now they both got what they wanted. The bear got a full stomach and the hunter got wrapped in fur. But watch this. Here's the moral of the story. Never give in to the critic who wants to devour you. He'll get what he wanted, but you won't get what you wanted. Did God tell you to touch the world? Don't let a doubter convince you that you can't. Did God tell you to make a million dollars? Don't settle for 900,000. Did God tell you to write a book? Don't settle for a pamphlet. Did God tell you to marry Peggy Sue? Don't settle for Betty Jean. (laughs) I don't know where some of this comes from. (laughs) I really don't. Don't allow others to put limitations on your dream by saying that you can't. Now, the second thing that David did, and I want to close with this, he refused Saul's armor, which represented Saul's doubt of him. As soon as David said, I will bring him down, Saul said, you can't do it. You're not able. And when David insisted, he said, well, okay. Now, here's what was in Saul's mind. I'm going to watch you die today. 
But he said, I at least want to know for my own conscience sake that I put my best armor on you. So he called David over and he put his armor on him. It's called Saul's armor. He put Saul's armor on him. He put on the breastplate. He put on the helmet. He put on the shoes. He gave him his sword and the shield. And here's what David did when he finally had it all on. He was walking just like this. He was walking like tin man. And it didn't work. And David said, I cannot do this. I cannot use this. For it has not been tested by me. I haven't tried it. I haven't known it. Now there is a truth here, and I want you to hear me on this real clearly. Boy, does this matter. When people doubt you, they will often try to place Saul's armor on you. Saul's armor usually comes in the form of unnecessary restrictions, rules, delays, requirements, and dampers on your faith. And it may be from well-intended people, but it does not flow from confidence. It flows from doubt and unbelief about you. So they try to encumber you with Saul's armor. And it doesn't take a lot of discernment to realize that you have had placed on you Saul's armor because it doesn't fit. You can't walk in it. It doesn't work. It's not real. It's not for you. It is not you. It's Saul's armor. God told us to put on God's armor, not Saul's armor. Saul's armor is the flesh's best effort to get a spiritual job done. But Saul's armor never works. Let me give you an example. When I started preaching, I had hair down to here. I came out of hippiedom. I was a hip eye. A real hippie. I had wire rim. I didn't look like anybody who ought to be preaching. Wore blue jeans. Didn't have a suit to my name. Uh, I mean, I was a rough cut. But God told me to preach. And when I started preaching, a pastor took me aside. And here's what he said to me. He said, now, Jeff, he said, don't come on too strong. When you stand up and speak, don't come on too strong. Get up there and kind of take the middle of the road. Smile. Don't be real preachy. And... I'm listening to him, and I respected who this guy was. And, of course, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I knew God, and I was beginning to flow in the things of God, and he had called me to preach. So I'm listening to everything he said. And you know what it was like when I went out, went out from there, from listening to him, and went to preach? I walked in just like this next time. And I stood in that pulpit just like this. And I did this, and I didn't move, and I was mechanical and unreal, and it was not me. And I was middle of the road. And you know what happened? Nothing. I saw people yawning, looking around. I said, what is wrong? And God said, you got Saul's armor on you. He did not believe that you were ready to preach. So he has encased you in Saul's armor. And he is trying to help you be successful by fleshly efforts. But Jeff, you need to be you. And so you know what I did? I did what David did. I took off Saul's armor because I had been around long enough to realize that it is not by might, it's not by power, it's not by smoothness, it's not by anything, but by the Spirit of God that things get done. That's how it gets done. And so I had to say to myself, I take off Saul's armor. I'm not going to walk in what he tried to put on me. And I went and picked up five smooth stones 
the Word of God and what I knew. I knew the Word. I knew the anointing. I knew Jesus. I knew what it took to see people touch. And I just stood up and I was me. And I did come on strong. Just like I'm coming on strong right now. Some of you think... I'm coming on too strong, but I'm not coming on strong enough. Buckle your seatbelt. Days are coming. We need some saltiness in the church. I'm so sick of sermonettes to Christianettes and everything being watered down and diluted and polluted. What people need is 100% extra strength Jesus. I'm telling you. So David, interestingly, pulled those rocks out of flowing water. Out of the flowing brook, he pulled the rocks out. And he put just one in his sling. The Bible says he gathered five, but it only took one. Did he have unbelief? Uh Uh-uh. Goliath had four brothers. (laughs) Just one for you? And one for every bro. (laughs) You can hear him saying, don't rock me, bro. (laughs) But he did. And here comes David with nothing. (laughs) Down he came. A hero with an incredible platform to tell the world about God. Isn't that amazing? So can you say with me, I will not let others define me down. Amen. Stand up, would you? It doesn't matter what others think of you. It does matter what God thinks of you. God has a dream for you. Most of you know that when I came to the Lord, I had no high school. And I went and started junior college at uh, 18 after getting a GED. Because I came out of the drug culture. Had no college, no high school. I was out of high school by ninth grade. The rest of it was a blank. God said, go to school. I laughed. He said, go to school. I told others, you can't go to school. You don't have any high school. You shouldn't do that. You can't do that. You ought not that. Just settle for a trade. But God said, they don't know what I've put in your heart. So I went. And I graduated junior college. He said, keep going. You can't go to a four-year. You don't have any high school. It'll all be catch-up. I went. Graduated North Texas with a bachelor's. He said, keep going. I said, but I don't have any high school. He said, you can do anything I tell you to do. Went and got a master's. Now I'm feeling like I like college. (laughs) And when I got the master's, he said, keep going. I went and got the doctorate. When I took Greek, I didn't have any English grammar. 
But see, God doesn't look at things the way we do. He said, if I tell you to do it, you can do it. You better do it. So I went ahead and got a doctorate. Why? Because God told me to. Foom, bachelors. Foom, masters. Foom, doctorate. Just like that. (laughs) My junior college teacher, one of them, took me outside in the hall one day. She said, Jeff, do you have any holes in your education? I said, oh, you know, here and there. I didn't say, I don't have any high school. She just sent me home. I only tell you that to glorify God because I obeyed him. And by grace, I did it. You can do anything he tells you to do. Father, I thank you for these precious people. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that there is great potential in Christ in every person in this room. And that there is a dream in God's mind for every soul. And Lord, I pray that you will not allow the faith buster of people's opinions about you rob you of your dream. Now, as we worship for a moment, I want you to pray. And you know, it doesn't have to be a person who's been defining you down. Sometimes nobody can define you down better than you. And in your mind, in the theater of your mind, maybe you've been defining yourself down and saying, I can't do it. There's no way I could do that. When God has told you to do it, he's told you to lay that habit down. He's told you to build that business. He's told you to make that marriage work. He's told you you can be victorious in your single life. He's told you something. Don't define yourself down. Let his word define you up. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.